Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, June 13th, 2019. Today we're reading from the big book on, um, in Chapter 3, and we're on page 33, the first paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Panina L., for the 12 traditions, Robin V., and reading the text are Amy G., Vinnie T., and Liz V. The reference numbers for Wednesday, June 12th, are for the 7 a.m., 13,028. That's 13028. And for the 10 a.m. is 13,029. That's 13029. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Panina L. to read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning. This is Panina L. recovered in South Florida. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked them to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a virtual awakening, as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Panina. I will now ask Robin V. to read the 12 traditions. Robin? Star one to unmute. Oh, hi. Hi, this is Robin V. Recovered in Massachusetts. Sorry about that. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those who serve, to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles over personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 33, the first paragraph that this case contains a powerful lesson and comments on that one paragraph, and I will ask Amy G. to begin reading. Good morning, KG. Thank you so much. My name is Amy G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Good morning, everyone. This case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remain sober for a long stretch, we could therefore drink normally. But here is a man who at 55 years found he was just where he left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in a short time as bad as ever. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. Wow. So let's review. We just listened to this story of this man after 25 years, you know, he pulled out the slippers in the bottle and he was 
fell to pieces and was dead in four years because of the disease of alcoholism. And this is a powerful lesson. And when I think of the word lesson, I think of, you know, something's trying to be taught to me here. And this is a powerful lesson that they said has been demonstrated again and again and in my own life in similar ways as well, is that once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, you know, why? Why is that? Well, for me, it's because of the twofold nature of this disease, the allergy and the mental obsession. My body can't tolerate my substances and my mind can't leave it alone. You know, if I break it down, I was thinking about it, you know, my allergy, I mean, I don't know if I abuse sugar to the point of creating an allergy or if I was born with it, it doesn't matter, chicken or the egg, I have this allergy. And no matter what, or no matter what long period of time that I am, my body is now wired this way. And that if I put those substances into my body, the phenomenon of craving is going to start and eventually I will find myself face first into a binge. Whether it's the next day, the next week, or the next month, that is the track that I will go because of my physical allergy. We're still, like this man is the mental obsession. You know, it says that we have a spiritual malady and that we're recovered and not cured. And it says it the best here on page 85 in the chapter Into Action. It's easy to let up on spiritual program. It's easy to let, let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. They mean daily, and I understand that because every day is a day that I'm looking for God's will instead of my will. You know, is that I'm, I'm not any more recovered of my self-centeredness than I am of my alcoholism or my compulsive overeating. I have to remember that compulsive overeating was my answer to life because the problem was me. And how do I deal with me and life circumstances without the food calling, without triggering the mental obsession? Long-term sobriety to me does not equal the power, the higher power that I need to stay sober and abstinent. And that's what's so cunning and baffling is thinking that this long period of time or any type of time will then give me the power from myself. Like I want to take over God's power for myself. I don't have that. I never will. I have a hole in my soul that I try to fill with a knife and a fork, and that will always be the case. It doesn't matter how long that that goes on. And I will always be a compulsive overeater, and I'll never be immune. And that has to be a solid foundation, the solid rock that has to be conceding to my innermost self that I am who I say I am no matter what amount of time that I have. It is a one day at a time program. My sponsor used to say, whoever got up earliest this morning has the most abstinence. So I'm going to stick with that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Okay, so we're on page 33, the first paragraph. This contains a powerful lesson. And if you have not shared in the last few days, if you would like to share, please give me your first name and the first initial of your last name. Nancy T. Lauren A. Lauren A. Kim G. Tara S. Kim G. Terry. Deborah S. Deborah S. Perry C. Perry C. Okay, that's a good group. I have Nancy T, Lauren A, Tara S, Kim G, Deborah S, and Perry C. Did I mess any of that up? 
Okay, let's go then with Nancy T, followed by Lauren A. If everyone could please mute your phone. Good morning. Thank you, Katie. Nancy T, Recovered Compulsive Reader in Lewiston, Idaho, this morning. Um, so there was a couple of places in this paragraph that really spoke to me because, it, it, you know, it's describing me. The first one, if we remained sober for a long stretch, we could therefore drink normally. That was that was me, and it was it didn't start with taking the first bite. With, along with that, another way that I translate that is at, if I remained sober for a long stretch, I could rest on my laurels. And Amy just alluded to that that we can't do that. We're headed for trouble if we do it. Says that after step ten, and so it wouldn't start with thinking I could drink normally. It would start with resting on my laurels and letting up on my spiritual program of action that I need to do daily. And then gradually those thoughts start to appear. And then gradually I start to think that um, I'm maybe I'm not a real compulsive reviewer. Maybe I could have one of those. And then you know where that leads, we all do. Um, and then the part, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. There is no cure for me. I am gonna always have a twofold illness that um, Amy also described that I have an allergy to certain substances and a mental obsession that drives me to pick those substances up unless I follow this um, program of spiritual action. And then lastly, those last couple of, uh, couple of lines, if I want to stop eating compulsively, I must have no reservation of any kind, no, nor any lurking notion that someday I'll be immune to alcohol. And along with that comes the responsibility to work my spiritual program of action. I have to do the work and I have to do it every day if I truly believe that there is, um, that I will ever be immune to alcohol. I can't just do nothing. I have to do the work. And I've learned many times, can't count my relapses. And every time it was because I didn't do the work, hands down. Um, the disease didn't come and get me. I left myself vulnerable to it by not doing the work. And so today I'm grateful to um, be doing the work every day and to be growing spiritually and not letting myself get stagnant or rest on my laurels. Thank you so much. Great meeting. I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, Lauren A, you're up, followed by Tara S. Hi, this is Lauren. Can you hear me? Yes. Good. I'm in my car, so if, if I need to shut it off, I'll, I'll do that. Um, there's, I don't have the book with me, but I, I refer to this paragraph quite often because there's something I disagree with, and that is that he was just where he left off 25 years ago. He's not where he left off because 25 years ago he could quit, but now he can't and it kills him. And I have to remember the progressiveness of the disease is something that I cannot let go of, that I have to keep remembering because I'm not where I was a year ago, five years ago. I'm worse and I will keep getting worse and I have to keep vigilant of working my program. And if I'm among a bunch of people that can safely eat whatever that I can't, if that's the only people I spend time with, then I'm going to think I'm one of them, but I'm not one of them. I'm one of you guys, and I have to, you know, one of the ways I, I keep remembering that is I listen to this meeting every morning on the way to work, and I'm so glad that that's available to me. And, and you know, people mentioned earlier about, about um, keeping your uh, in fit spiritual condition, and I have to do that too. And I, I went through something a couple months ago where I was so resentful against someone and I just knew I had to do something different than I had ever done. I had to take care of it. 
and I did, and it's and it's it's fixed, you know, which is a it's an amazing miracle, and I I thank God and and a vision for you for that. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Lauren. Okay, Tara S, you're up, followed by Kim G. Thank you. Good morning. This is Tara S from North Carolina. Um, what really sticks out to me in this um, this paragraph is that last sentence of. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. To me, this really goes into the definition of a true surrender. Um, you know, it is the great obsession of compulsive overeaters that one day we will become normal eaters. But, you know, if we are truly to stop drinking this imperative, there must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion. Um, and I think that, to me, that just really falls into that definition of what it means to surrender and turn it all over to God. Um, and, yeah, that's that's my share this morning. Thank you. It's my first time sharing. I'll thank you so much, Tara. You're welcome. Um, thank you. Okay. Um, and Kim G., it's your turn, followed by Devorah F. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, a recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm going to drill down on that same paragraph that Tara just did. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind or any lurking notion that someday we'll be immune to alcohol. You know, I have other allergies. I, I had a severe reaction to penicillin as a child. And uh, eight years ago, in a storm, I slipped and looked down and my foot was facing 180 degrees in the wrong direction. And the ambulance came and in the middle of the snowstorm, the, I'm being driven to the hospital and the pain is so immense, I'm afraid I'm gonna pass out. And what I do is I grab the girl in the ambulance and I say, I might pass out. Please put on my chart that I'm allergic to penicillin. That is how sane I am around the food. You know, I have never gone to the doctor when I'm sick and said, listen, doc, I'm allergic to penicillin, but you know what? If you want to give me something else, maybe give me two milligrams of penicillin and eight milligrams of the other stuff because maybe I have a threshold of my allergy to penicillin. I am totally sane. Even though I don't have any memories of, as an infant, what that even felt like to be allergic to penicillin. Yet when it comes to the food, I've had hundreds of experiences telling me that I am allergic to these substances and I keep thinking, how can I beat the game? You know, I think of some of the language I hear when people try to rationalize that they're not immune and they can get, quote unquote, get away with it. This idea of mindful eating, the idea of I'm only going to abstain from recreational sugar, like your body cares whether sugar is in the form of a protein bar or a, or a Milky Way. You know, when, if I hear in a meeting that I used to have an allergy, but today I don't. If I hear in a meeting, well, for religious purposes, I can have this substance, or in a special occasion, I can have these substances. What my observation and experience is, is that person is not the real compulsive overeater. They might be the moderate or hard eater. It might be their truth. Or the other thing is it might be that they're in delusion and they're currently in disease. So the question is, who are you? Are you the compulsive overeater that's described in the doctor's opinion that you have that allergy of the body and you have that mental twist? Because if you are that real compulsive overeater, the food must die. 
And lurking notions and reservations, that's the mental twist. I need to get free of those alcoholic substances, and then I have to treat the mental twist, which is through the 12 steps, so that my mind will be removed from the idea, the lurking notion, the reservations of any kind, because my body does not change from this allergy, and that is so critical in this fully conceiving of step one. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Okay, Devorah S, you're up, followed by Perry C. Hi, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, uh, Amy, and everyone on this meeting that makes this possible. I'm, I'm Devorah S, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And this is a very powerful paragraph because, honestly, my whole, all my years of dieting and all my years of trying to abstain and, and get into that thin body. It was always about like, you know, now I could now I can eat like everybody else. Now that I'm down, I could, you know, that was that wasn't just that's what people told me. Just get down and, and then you could have a little bit of this and a little bit of that and you'll be fine. And um, I believe that. I really believe that whole theory that, that it's now I can eat like everybody else. And I could never understand like what is it? I was just doing great on what diet I was following or program or whatever it was and why isn't it that I couldn't just stop after that one little sliver or one and I had to go out again and, and binge so because I never understood it I never knew I had this allergy to the body the obsession of the mind never got it until coming into this program later on in life as a woman with children and, and married and so you know and, and and it just shows me over and over again it doesn't matter how many years I have in this program, it really doesn't. It, it is a day-by-day -day thing. Every single day, I wake up in the morning and I recommit myself, you know, to God. I'm powerless over everything. You know, God, only you can help me. Please, God, take it from me. You know, every day I have to start all over again. And, um, and that's why I love about this meeting because I'm not hearing – you know, all the time about, you know, it's nice to hear someone lost all this weight and, and how many years they're abstinent. But what I'm hearing on this meeting daily is what I'm doing today. What, what is it? The most important thing that I can be doing is, is staying abstinent, yes, but also um, developing that relationship with my higher power. If I'm not going to be doing that, if I'm not going to, um, you know, um, um, seek out God throughout the day, then I am going to be like I was all those years ago where it's just another diet. I need to be developing each and every single day and, and seeking God's will and, um, and, and following the dictates of what he wants from me. Um, and how am I, you know, how am I treating my fellow people around me um, you know, that, that to me is what I'm, I'm, I'm striving for in this program. And, um, and that is, um, that's not why I came into this program. You know, I came in to lose the weight and, 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 and be in a thin body. But I'm here today still, you know, even though I've lost all the weight and in a thin body and in a small size, but I'm here today because I keep me to be growing each and every day and developing that relationship with my higher power. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Deborah. Okay, Perry C., you're up, and then we'll open it up again. Hi, good morning, Katie. 
This is Terry C., a recovered compulsive reader in New Jersey. And uh, I wanted to weigh in on this paragraph because when we've been reading The Man of 30, I realized the conditions The Man of 30 had placed on his outlook with alcohol. You know, he had decided that he would be successful first and then go back to the booze, which he knew um, he couldn't control, that, you know, he would uh, really just have to have. And I know my experience with dieting, which wasn't a lot. I wasn't wasn't an avid dieter. But I remember having that notion that, you know, I'm going to get the reward. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to achieve this. And I'm going to get the reward because I had no understanding of this illness. I had no understanding. There were, there were no conditions. There were no conditions. I simply had this. I had this thing. And from there, I got to understand once I accepted that, that there was a solution. And then that brought me to the end of the paragraph. No reservation of any kind. No doubt. No doubt that I'm immune. No doubt that there's immunity. No doubt that Someday I'm going to control and enjoy it. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And that's not a sad statement or a disappointing statement for me today. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. I'm so grateful today to know that it's just a fact. You know, my mom just found out she's allergic to shellfish, had a horrible reaction to it. Very grieving that she can't eat it anymore. It's just a fact. It's just, it's, it's, that's, the physical condition. Now I have to be worried about my spiritual condition. That's the only condition I need to be worried about is my spiritual condition. And I'm grateful to know that. And I'm grateful that you all share that message with me every day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Terry. Okay. So if you just joined us, we're on page 33, the first paragraph. This case contains a powerful lesson and commenting on that one paragraph. And if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, who would like to share? Sandy S. Asheville. Sandy S. Penny C. Mary B. Vasa O. Madeline R. Madeline R. Max W. Max W. Take one more. Okay, let's go with this. Sandy S, Penny C, Mary B, Vasa O, Madeline R, and Max W. Go ahead, please, Sandy S, followed by Penny C. Hi, this is Sandy S from Asheville, North Carolina. There must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday uh, commencing to drink after a period of sobriety where in short time as bad as ever, if we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. You know, I've been granted definitely this total blessing before I came into OA I knew to the core of my being that I was powerless over food and my life was unmanageable. And I just didn't care. I mean, that was the, 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 the tragedy of bulimia. I mean, once somebody told me about throwing up when I was 19, I thought, wow, 
I could eat as much as I want and I'll never be fat again. I mean, I perfected that to such an extent. And there was no doubt. I mean, the amounts of food I was eating, I would have weighed about 800 pounds. I mean, my big problem was like maintaining financially the ability to pay for the food. So by the grace of God, step one for me is thoroughly, thoroughly grounded in my being way before OA, in OA, and every day. And I've had long-term abstinence. I shared it for 43 years due to a spiritual experience. And I'll never be neutral with food. I mean, the rest of people might be neutral in food who are recovered. I don't want to be neutral with food, especially because I am not allergic to any particular food. Any food could set me off. Really, if it was up to me, I'd never eat again, but this is something I need to do for survival. Uh, I just feel the need to be totally honest about myself, my abstinence, and my food. And it's different from 99% of the people in vision group. I know it. I'm the little 1% that has no specific food allergy. I'm allergic to all food. And that really sucks, let me tell you. Sorry for the language. But I need to say my truth. I am the true compulsive overeater, eating and throwing up 12 times a day, stealing money so I could get food, not caring about anyone except food, and being totally deteriorated. And I'm not allergic to flour, sugar, or anything. I could eat anything. I don't. I never ate like a normal person once I was abstinent. I never did anything with food without praying. Because for me, I never had white knuckle abstinence. I've only been abstinent through the help of a higher power. It's a very unique experience. I mean, but I'm not alone. I'm not terminally unique. I know there's a small group somewhere within OA who had a spiritual experience that led them to be abstinent. Time, please. I've never, okay, thanks. I just want to end with, I've never thought of food as any kind of solution once I became abstinent. It became the thing that would destroy me. And with that, I passed. Thank you so much, Sandy. Okay, Penny C., you're up, followed by Mary B. Good morning. Thank you, Katie. This is Penny C., recovered compulsive reader from the Boston area. Uh, this paragraph always makes me think of my experience with the diet club that I way back in 1980, went to the, the nationally famous doctor, um, diet club and, you know, followed that food plan very strictly, lost a great deal of weight, so much so that, you know, I was, um, I was told by the doctor, you can't stop losing, you've got to put on 10 pounds, your blood uh, tests are very abnormal, and, um, you know, and, but I, I, I kept doing it because... Um, what else was I there for but to, you know, to get skinny? Um, and I'm a real compulsive overeater. I have allergy to a sugar and flour, and that's the thing that the diet clubs don't understand or don't tell people. So that for the real compulsive overeater like myself, there was no concept of disease or the um, allergy or the phenomenon of craving. So back in those days, it was just you stayed on that food plan till you lost all your weight, got to your goal weight, and then you got to go on maintenance, an eight-week plan, and every week you could have a little bit more. 
And so what happened was all the foods that I had abstained from for almost a year and lost over 80 pounds, I started eating again. So what that what that did for me is give me back my allergic foods again. And, um, oh, my gosh, I've talked before about how I maintained my weight for several years. Binge two weeks. Um, um well, we'll stop two weeks, get weighed in, which we had to do once a month, and then binge for two weeks and maintaining my weight. And I thought that's what I was going to do the rest of my life. Thank God. That was because that was so unhealthy. Thank God I found a way and, um, and have been on a healthy food plan um, and have a spiritual recovery that nobody told me I can't. I keep saying, if only someone had told me that I had a disease, that I had allergy to certain foods, and um, and that I needed a spiritual solution. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. Okay, Mary B., you're up, followed by Vasa O. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service, and thanks, everyone, who shared. Um, I don't want to repeat what's already been said, so this reminds me of something that I used to hear in meetings a lot, thought it was wonderful, and so I said it, too, and that was, I know I have another binge, but I don't think I have another recovery, and uh, that's great, you know, it kind of keeps you from, that fear keeps you from picking up, or it helps anyway. Well, as I continued over the years to work this program, as it was in front of me at the time, my relationship and my understanding of my higher power grew stronger and closer and as that relationship grew and strengthened, I realized God never leaves me. He's always been there. I kind of picture him like that Mr. Clean Genie, that great big strong guy with his arms crossed across his chest, tapping his foot and saying, okay, Mary, anytime you're ready, I'm here. I know I have another binge, and I know because my higher power never leaves me, I have another recovery. But what I don't know is how long it's going to take me to turn to that higher power and get back into recovery. God never put the food into my mouth. He was not stuffing my face. He's not going to take the food out. That is up to me. And I thank God for the 13 and a half years and the 80 pounds that I have um, maintained all those years. I am grateful. And it's why I keep coming back and I keep turning to that big, strong power that's always there. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you very, very much, Mary B. Um, Basa, oh, you're up, followed by Madeline R. 
Thank you. Thank you, Katie, for your service and vast a grateful recovered compulsive reader calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Once an alcoholic, always is an alcoholic. I do not need to entertain the thought that someday I will be immune to alcohol. To me, it's sugar. I had no clue anything about overeaters anonymous or addictions, uh, you know, to food. I I just remember love to eat any kind of food all the time, and it was getting progressive for me. Uh, I remember reading a dear Abby's years years before I found Overeaters Anonymous. She she did mention something about Overeaters Anonymous that people were struggling with food addiction, but at that time I maybe I was like. 10 pounds or maybe 15 pounds overweight. So I thought you needed to be really, really obese to go to overeaters. And I just kind of let it go. I read it and let it go. And uh, yes, it is a progressive disease. I had no clue anything about the allergy of the body and the follows with a mental obsession. I, I was letting to overeaters anonymous and I do believe my higher power led me without even knowing my higher power led me there because I remember like maybe a month or two months I had given into the food. I was not going to try any more diets because it didn't work. And no matter what I tried, it was not going to work. And and then I remember coming home from shopping and outreaching. And there was, this was not like me, you know, reaching out to God, driving in my van with one hand, not two hands. I remember saying, God, Please help me if you're out there. I didn't know anything about the food addiction yet. I didn't know about the unmanageability, the unmanageability because trying to manage it all those years. So, and then after that, I was letting to overeat as anonymous, and I do believe that was my higher power. You know, I know some people pray for many years or whatever, but for it, I know that was my higher power leading me into OA. And it is being a spiritually fit. The only way I will be doing what I'm doing is if I'm spiritually fit. And I do not entertain the thought because I know some of my friends came and they left. Some of them died. But I need to be here. I need to have that spiritual connection with God on a daily basis. And I also need to give it away. I remember my sponsor saying, what you, what we are so freely receiving here, we have to give it away, and that is my time. Thank you for letting me share. And to me, service, service. And here, I don't want to ever go back there into any relapses because I'll never come back. Probably. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Okay, Madeline R, you're up, followed by Max W, and then we'll have Thank time you. for a few more after that. Maybe two. Thank you. This is Madeline R. And I'm trying to set a timer, but it's giving me a problem. There we go. I'm calling from Pennsylvania. And I just uh, really felt compelled to share just a little bit today. I don't have anything new to say, except that um, despite, you know, over 13 years of being clean with my food, um, you know, being clean around my food, around death, illness in my family, um, and even, you know, an incurable, what they thought was uh, cancer in me, and weighing and measuring my food and going along just fine, um, I had a relapse around Easter and um, very painful. 
And the only way that I could describe what happened was that I did not trust and rely on my higher power. I was trying to follow my script, which was not working. And, you know, we'll find out about and read about all that later. But for this paragraph, I, the only way I could describe it is violent eating took over. You know, praise God, it was a short time. Um, but everything came back and it wasn't where I was. It was 10 times fold. I, I didn't have a sponsor. I had had two sponsors and they didn't work. And I was not doing, you know, what I needed to do. Both of those people had to let me go because they needed to take some care of some things in their life. I didn't do what I had to do to find another sponsor. The thing is, though, I have to trust that I have been tested for allergies of all kinds of food, all those needles on my back. Um, I don't have an allergy to any food, specifically a physical allergy to any food. Boy, I'll tell you, though, I have a mental allergy to many foods, including some of those that I was asked to try because my weight dropped so low after chemotherapy and radiation, and I could not find a balance. I mean, I my weight kept dropping. Uh, the, no matter what amount of protein I had eaten or vegetables, the weight kept falling. And then all of a sudden, one day, because I was getting healthy, I began to become a normal weight. And some of those substances that had been added were purely my alcoholic food set off the phenomenon of craving. And the bottom line, through that violent eating episode that I had that one day at work, food that I had that definitely was an alcoholic substance and I did not even like, you know, it just took hold of me. But the thing that took most and biggest hold of me was volume. My primary allergy is volume. And of course, the mental twist that we'll talk about later. So thank you so much for everybody's service and everybody's share and for the solution. And I'll pass. Thank you, Madeline. Okay, Max W., you're up. Good morning. This is Max. I'm uh, really new compared to, uh, to the rest of the shares on the group. I've been at this a few months, and I'm coming out of my second uh, relapse. And uh, so I've only been abstinent since Monday. But uh, as I share this morning, I'm going on a business trip, and I'm having a really weird phenomenon. And it's so good to have this reading this morning about the uh, the uh, twist of the mind and the allergy of the body. I really never wanted to sit down and eat a whole buffet before, but I, I do. So I've just been encouraged by everybody's sobriety this morning, and it gives me uh, great encouragement that what God's doing in my life, and I need to, you know, just stick with it. And I am going to stick with it, and I'm uh, really looking forward to all the good things that uh, God has for me. Uh, one more thing I want to share is I've been uh, abstinent in another program for about 24 months, and um, and, and uh, I'm kind of forgetting what I'm wanting to say. So anyway, it was... It, um, I'm I'm just going to keep on keeping on, and I appreciate the friendships here in Atlanta, and I love this call. So thanks for letting me share. Bye bye.
Thank you, Max. Okay, it's 7.43. We have till 7.55. If my math is correct, that's 12 minutes, so we could have four more shares on. Lisa B. Lisa B. Charles H. Not good, Ted. Okay, Lisa B. Charles H. There was someone else. Christy J. Lane C. I'm sorry, there's a gentleman. I can't can't hear you. Chrissy J. Chrissy J. Chrissy J. Okay, I'm sorry. Amanda B. And then Amanda B. Okay, let's take those. Um, Was it Lisa B.? Lisa, whichever Lisa it was, please go ahead, followed by Charles H., then Chrissy J. and Amanda B. Yes, good morning. This is Lisa B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I do spell my name L-E-S-A. I love this reading. There's so much I want to share on it. One is in my arrogance and self-centered life, you know, as a recovered person still, I can think that I am going to know when that lurking notion is going to come on. I think that I know when the relapse will happen and that I can just kind of, um, you know, keep on guard and watch. But you see, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know. It's, it's a very cunning, baffling, and the biggest thing that I need to remember is the subtlety of this illness. So that's why that spiritual connection is so valuable. I um, really enjoy when people start sharing about some of the clarity that meant so much to them that they got in understanding what abstinence means. And we can always go to the Wonderful Vision website and under special editions, type in that search bar, the word abstinence, and there is a variety of voices there where we can hear different talks on abstinence, you know. And one of them uh, covers a little bit more of the behaviors. Some of them cover the ingredients. And I have to remember with this allergy, I'm not going to break out in a rash or a fever. That, that's not how the allergy shows itself in me. It shows itself in more. I want more. And it doesn't always happen right away. But the thing I have to remember is I have got to start my day every day face down on the floor, really, is what I do, um, praying you know, to my higher power to keep me safe and protected. And the way I do that is by going through the steps and abstinence. And living in those vital growing steps, 10, 11, and 12, not minimizing anything the moment I'm disturbed, doing the 10th step the way it precisely describes, looking at growing and enlarging my spiritual life through step 11 and through step 12. But I have to remember, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. It just, it just can happen. And when I first learned about the the um, discipline of step 10, I was so angry. I thought, I don't have time to do that. And I didn't want to do a 10th step. And I went to the movies with my husband and we had a fight. And at that time, popcorn was not one of my alcoholic foods. Now it's on the list for sure. But my hand went right into that container of popcorn in my husband's lap. And I immediately stopped called my sponsor, and she said, did you do a 10-step? And I said, no. Well, now I know. I, I have got to do 10 steps. It, this thing is not a joke. This is a very serious illness, no different than a heroin addict. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, Charles H., you're up. Followed by Chrissy J. Thank you, Katie, for taking the meeting. Charles H., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. 
This paragraph has all over it three words, three letters for me, I-S-M, ism, indescribable short memory. And it also has um, a character defect over it, selfishness. Um, this, this man of 30 um, had a selfish motive to be abstinent. He, that's all he had. Um, he white-knuckled for 25 years. And uh, it's a powerful lesson, but the disease will play me out and be like, you know what, I'm so recovered that I don't have to worry about one day at a time. I start counting the years instead of counting the days. But, but I need to realize that i got to quit stuffing my face and start facing my stuff. That's another OA gem that I've heard through the years. You know, and, and like the, the previous speaker just said, you know, I don't do enough 10 steps. I hold on to it. It's all right. It ain't that bad. I play that, that game that, you know, I, I'm a little pregnant. No, I'm either pregnant or not. I'm either resentful or not. I'm either selfish or not, right? It's all or nothing with me. So, um, yeah. Like he, he, the insane idea went on, and we're gonna we're gonna hear about these these four characters, right? The Jaywalker, Fred, Jim, and the man of thirties. They were all abstinent. They were stock raving abstinent, and they were selfish, dishonest. You know, you know the other two character defects, and I could identify with them, right? That has, you know, that's that's an empty barrel. It, it and empty barrels make the most noise. So I need to to fill my barrel with some spiritual juice one day at a time, and keep it moving. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. Okay, Chrissy J., you're up, followed by Amanda B. Chrissy J., star one. This is Chrissy Jane K. Um, Chrissy J., I, okay, thanks. Uh, in 1978, I came into OA at 300, uh, over 300 pounds. Uh, I got a sponsor. I lo- God removed my desire for sugar. In one practically convulsive night, talking to my sponsor in a bar, in a phone booth, I was going to drink instead. And... I lost 50, I lost weight. I lost all my weight. I was running with my husband in the races. Uh, I, I was thinner than when I was 10 years old. And for 15 years, I didn't eat sugar. And then I had surgery for a tumor in my neck. And I couldn't read. And I lost my nurse's license because I couldn't read and I couldn't work and I couldn't support my family. And everybody ran away from me because they thought I had some kind of disease. And all my friends, I thought I had in a way. They wouldn't talk to me. So I I also had insomnia and ended up in the attic because everybody else had to sleep. And I went back to my only food. I had to actually turn, and I was mad at God. So I went up to 400 pounds. I went back to the sugar. And I had to learn, how do you be angry at God and turn to him again? And I realized 
God is so big, I'm like a toddler being angry at God and asking him at the same time to take care of me. And that's a long trip back, a very long trip. And I am now so recovered, and this program has brought me back and made me out of my depression from all that anger. And that's what it was. I was angry at God. That was the hard part. And how do you be angry at God and ask him to help you at the same time? That's so hard. That's reducing your ego. That's reducing your ego like only this program can teach you when I pass. Okay, thank you. Okay, I didn't hear you say that. Okay, thank you, Chrissy Jane. Amanda B., you're up, and then that'll be it. Thank you. Hi, this is Amanda B., compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, so I, I really related to this. I've been in program for 15 years, been abstinent for a lot of them, but never have I believed the truth, which is uh, truth means fact or reality, that I have to have no reservation that I can never be a cucumber anymore once I've been pickled. It says, if we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind. And every time I say, hi, I'm Amanda, I'm a compulsive overeater, in the back of my mind, I say, not really, or I'm not as bad as you guys, or I hope I don't get a, get what you have if I hang around for too long. Um, and that, was, that went on for 15 years. Like, there was always this lurking notion that I could still do it myself. And even though I stayed absent for like four or five years at a time, but I never never lost the obsession and I thought what the heck am I doing here and it was only a week ago and and I say this because I also just want to share um, humbly but also to tell people there's hope it doesn't matter how long you've been here that I got on my knees and said holy swear word I can't do this God I want a spiritual experience I cannot stop by myself the water always goes down the drain no matter what the water always goes down the drain when I pull the plug And I accepted that I am a compulsive overeater. And I didn't have a bill experience where I fell out of bed and God helped me. But I did feel different. And I turned off my brain because my brain has not helped me here because everything in this program seems counterintuitive to me. But I stopped fighting and I just followed instructions. And my sponsor said, you could have the crappiest sponsor and still recover because all you have to do is surrender your ideas and follow the instructions. And I realized I am a poster child for all of my own ideas. This is where it's got me. Here I am. Here's the advertisement for my ideas. And you can find how they worked out on page, I think, 52, where the bedevilments are. But really, what I wanted to share is over the last week, um, I have gotten grace to be abstinent. And it hasn't, it's not, doesn't matter if it's easy or not easy, but I have gotten that I am a compulsive overeater no matter what. That is the powerful lesson. That is, it says the truth. And when I look up truth, it's the fact or the reality. It's just a fact. There's the sun. The sun is there. That's a fact. The sky is blue. That's a fact. I'm a compulsive overeater. That's a fact. 
And a man at 55 found he was just where he left off at 30. And I could say a girl at 38 or a woman at 38 found she was just where she left off at 23 or 12 or 5 when my hand was going in and out of that cereal and I couldn't stop it and I didn't know why. And I came to the program 15 years ago knowing I needed like some sort of exorcism, but I didn't accept the truth that I wasn't part of that solution or the I that I know. So I hope that's not too convoluted, but my message is, for myself anyway, that I had to accept the truth that if I'm going to plan to stop eating compulsively, I have to have no reservation or any lurking notion in the back of my mind that I will be able to do this myself because once I pull the plug, so I'm going to drink. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. And thank you to everyone for an awesome meeting and for all the shares. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Thursday, June 13th, is 13,032. That's 13032. Okay, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Vinnie C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Am I being heard? Yes. Okay. Yes, thank you. This is Vinnie T. Gratefully Recovered for today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road to happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.